Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome into a Monday, an unenthusiastic Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Ed Weiner alongside Thomas Carinante. Uh, this team is going to go back and forth. There are going to be periods where they look good. There's going to be periods where they look terrible. But they certainly were built wrong again this offseason by Brian Cashman. Uh, we get tired of uh, acknowledging the people who keep saying, like, oh, the injuries. But the injuries. But there are so many injuries. And, yeah. The injuries are frustrating, and I'm frustrated by them as well. And I've been frustrated by them since 2018. But you know what? We told Red Sox fans last year when they were like, oh, imagine if we had this rotation without the injuries, like if Chris Sale and James Paxton were healthy. And what did we say? said, you got injury-prone pitchers, and they got hurt. The Yankees are made up of injury-prone Major League Baseball players in the lineup and rotation. They did not bring in rotation depth. They brought in an oft-injured player to be the number two in the rotation, and he's injured. They did not bring in a bench of any kind. They relied on the positive momentum from Anthony Volpe, and he's been great, and the team is paper thin. The first two guys go down to Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge, and there is no one else to replace them with who is competent in any capacity. The 1998 Yankees, greatest team of all time. The bench, Chili Davis, Tim Raines, Daryl Strawberry, you're not always going to get Hall of Famers on the bench, but you know what's not a bench? A two-man team on Sunday because Judge wasn't placed on the IL yet and Jake Bowers was waiting for the swelling in his knee to go down. And by the way, how about the Jake Bowers era? Pretty sick reminder of what happens to this team seemingly annually. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please drop us a five-star review or a mailbag question if you got something you want to talk about. And it can be tough to talk about the team during times like this. You can find us live on YouTube, 2 o'clock Eastern, Mondays and Thursdays. Because sometimes it really is as simple as they suck. Sometimes you got to wait for them to stop sucking. But right now, God, they are bad. Uh, last couple of weeks of offense, by the way. Uh, we will get into it. We'll talk about left field options moving forward. We'll talk about Judge's injury, of course. They have not yet placed him on the IL today. They probably should, considering he hasn't played since Thursday. Regardless, Bowers is also spinning in infinity. We're getting some positive updates on the pitchers, but you can't fully buy into them. And are the Yankees officially playing for a wild card at this point? It's easy to say there's more time on the clock, but also there are no solutions coming. Uh, Thomas Carinante, last couple of weeks, uh, they beat the Twins 6-1 behind Domingo Herman. Then Garrett Cole throws a complete game shutout the next day. They only score two runs, uh, but that does bring them to 10 and six on the year. We count that Twins game where they score two runs. We're doing, we're, I'm going to do the three runs or fewer. That Twins game, two. There's one. Then they go play the Angels, lose 5-2. There's two. Play the Angels, win 3-2. There's three. Play the Angels, win 9-3. So three out of four. Lost to the Blue Jays 6-1, 4 out of 5. Beat the Blue Jays 3-2, 5 out of 6. Lost to the Blue Jays 5-1, 6 out of 7. Lost to the Twins 6-1, 7 out of 8. Lost to the Twins 6-2, 8 out of 9. 
12-6 win makes it 8 out of 10. Beat the Rangers 4-2, congrats. 8 out of 11, then two runs, 9 of 12. Zero runs, 10 of 13. Two runs, 11 of 14. That's no way to win baseball games. Um, and I know you have an offer for us from our, our partners on the betting market. But uh, if you do that for 14 straight games, you just might stick. You just might stink. Uh, folks, if you took my betting advice dating back to, I think, the beginning of last week, um, nine of the Yankees' last 10 games, they've uh, scored the under um, on the run total. Um, so our friends at DraftKings are here. If you want to keep cashing in on that hot hot streak, uh, they're going to be facing good pitching in uh, against Cleveland this week. So I don't know why we would think that anything would turn around. Um, head on over to DraftKings.com uh, or download the DraftKings app. If you're in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, this offer is for you. Punch in the code YanksGoYard if you're a first-time user. Bet $5 on any sport. Get $150 in bonus bets if your bet wins. So by that logic, you'd have a 90% likelihood of hitting the Yankees under run bet if you did it tonight, and then you just get yourself $150 in bonus bets, and then you can just maybe put all of that on the next night for the Yankees to not score any runs because they can't. Um, but anyway, uh, folks, this is an important um, uh, 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 thing that we have for you guys because it supports the podcast as well. Um, it's a nice offer. DraftKings was nice enough to do this for everybody who wants to get into gambling and you can do it responsibly. Don't forget it. Don't do it while you're on booze and obviously make sure that you are uh, following the right trends uh, because when you can get on a heater, it's always more fun that way. So if you're interested, head on over to DraftKings.com, download DraftKings app. Um, it's a minimum $5 deposit and wager required for the folks in New, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Once again, new customers only. Uh, if you're president present in New York and have a gambling problem, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Um, if you're in New Jersey, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. If you're in Connecticut, um, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. See full terms at DraftKings.com or in the description below. Gamble responsibly. And before we get into what is this going to be, the fourth straight episode of the Yankees sucking, mm -hmm. um, or it just kind of being up in the air, whether we're trying to determine um, what this team is or what the forecast is. Um, look, it's not great. They're 15 and 14. Things could be worse, though. It's April, and April is not um, exactly the uh, proper barometer to judge teams, especially uh, at the onset. Do we think the Pittsburgh Pirates are the best team in the National League? I don't think they are. Maybe you do, and you're entitled to that opinion, but that probably won't last for most of the year. Um, do we think the Rays are going to continue winning at a 23-6 and six clip? No. We know that that's not going to happen. Um, are the Orioles good? Sure. Are they 19-9 and nine good? I don't know. I don't know if that pitching is going to hold up. Um, and then you even look across the rest of the league, right? The Yankees are obviously at the top of the discussion because they are the Yankees. They are supposed to be good. They are not supposed to suck like this. They are supposed to have a team, um, a roster of star-studded players, not a bunch of replacement players with all the star-studded players on the IL. But things are worse for a lot of other folks out there. The White Sox, quite possibly the worst team we'll ever see. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Embarrassing stuff over there. And they have good players. The Guardians are below 500, 13 and 15. That's supposed to be a good team. That was a team that took us to the brink last year in the playoffs. The Mariners, 
12 and 16. That's not good for a team that's supposed to be maybe one of the sneaky picks in the American league to make a world series run. Um, you don't go too far in, in the city. You go over to the Mets an underwhelming 15 and 12. They'll be 15 and 13 by the end of the day or by the end of, I guess, uh, the, middle of the, afternoon, yeah. the Braves are beating them into the ground right now. Um, the St. Louis Cardinals, worst start for them in 50 years, 10 and 19. Awful. Um, and then you have the Padres, same boat as the Yankees, 15 and 14, supposed to be the best team in baseball on paper. So we're going to roast this team. We're going to have a good time doing it, but let's get a little bit of perspective here. It's April. They finished April with a winning record. We'll take that. Um, things could be better. Things should be better, but things could also be monumentally worse. Yeah, the thing with the Yankees is they're lucky to be 15 and 14. I, yes. I think every every fan would tell you that. But that said, where's the hope coming from that eventually they rise above the ashes and stop being a 500-ish team or that they don't get markedly worse? Because they're 15 and 14, but they were 12 and 7. So there was a time when they were even skating higher above you know their current pay grade. Then they let the Blue Jays push them around. They let the Twins push them around. They let the Texas Rangers push them around. I tell you what, I really like the version of this team where they would lose the first game of the series, win the next two. Don't love the version where they go to Texas, win the first one, then lose three in a row in the final one, 15-2. Not my favorite Pretty version good. of the New York Yankees. Um, shout out to Red Sox fans, too, who are like, oh, whoa, didn't see this one coming. The Yankees and Red Sox are tied for last place. Let's go. First of all, you're in last place in that scenario, so I'd maybe say it a little quieter. Second, 15 and 14 in last place is shocking. The American League use is incredible. That means the Red Sox are treading water, the Yankees are treading water, and the other three teams are way better than that. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't think I expected the Yankees to be very good. I certainly said all uh, March as the injuries were piling up, just get to early May at 500 to give yourself a chance. That said, the warts on this offense are uh, deeper than I think even some people thought this offseason as we were making fun of the roster construction. Uh, John Boy and Jake just said it. Like Everybody knew this roster was built poorly. Shocker, mm -hmm. bring, bringing Omar Manaya and Brian Sabian in in the middle of January didn't radically revolutionize this roster. We were told that this they were not done after signing Carlos Renan. They were extremely done. Um, I think all of this goes back to Josh Donaldson last year. I think if they don't trade for Josh Donaldson, they add two more bats this season probably, but they did trade for Josh Donaldson. Is it embarrassing that a team like the Yankees has a budget? Sure, but do major corporations have a budget? Yes, and this was the Yankees' budget, and they used up way too fucking much of it on Josh Donaldson, who does not fill a single need for this team. Uh, nobody likes him internally, externally, and he doesn't hit. So without Aaron Judge, this is a well below 500 team. With Aaron Judge, they're playing like a 500 team. We're still in the middle of limbo now, where we don't know if they're putting Judge on the IL or not for what removed him from Thursday's game after one at-bat uh, he was replaced in the fourth inning by Oswaldo Cabrera. I guess he got two ABs uh, by Oswaldo Cabrera. We, we yelled at Judge on the Thursday show. We were like, ah, very funny that you almost got hurt. You almost hurt your hand sliding in a third. Like, don't do that again. Well, it turns out he hurt something else, and, and he also hurt his hand because there was a little period there where none of the stories were mentioning the hand injury, and then Brendan Cuddy was like, his hand is also sore. It just was hip. It's like, yeah, no shit. Uh, so he didn't play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And uh, yeah, Mike was trying to comments Cabrera having one of the worst starts of the season uh, possible. It's impossible to be worse than him. And Oswald Peraza has had his moments, but you look at the numbers and they're not there. Um, Aaron Judge, 
takes himself out of Friday, Saturday, Sunday's action. They're still deciding whether or not to put him on the IL today, even though he has a mild hip strain after the MRI came back. Mild, not so bad, but we know the hand is also bothering him. Already three days racked up on a potential IL stint. I'm going to go ahead and say, put him on the IL today. Put him there. Why are we waiting around for this? We're Why did they do this? We're going to play shorthanded tonight, too, and then put him on the IL tomorrow? Like, uh, Jake Bowers yesterday laid up with his knee issue. Apparently, his MRI checked out fine, too. We'll talk about him in a bit, but that's two guys on the bench who simply cannot play. Judge put on batting gloves in the middle of the 15-2 loss, and everybody was like, whoa, Judge put on batting gloves. Yeah, they're not putting him into the 15-2 game. Uh, he he's not he can't play right now. He can't play. And so if he misses extended time, um, it'll only be because he came back too soon. This is a minor issue. Let him sit through it for another week. This team is treading water as we speak. Don't make judge with a hip issue. Play center field at Tropicana Field next weekend. Are you people insane? Yeah, I, I'm insane. Yeah, I am. Um, no, I don't want him playing. Uh, he should have been IL the moment he felt discomfort because then you're adding in a second injury to that. Yeah. Obviously he, there is something wrong with his hand, whether it's, it's, it's likely minor. Um, but if you have a sore hand for three days and then you add a hip injury to that, um, you're probably just out for 10 days. Pro the smart thing to do. Um, but such as life with the Yankees and injury issues, they take all of these decisions down to the last possible moment with lack of clarity um, all over the place. Um, in terms of whether they'll make the right decision or not, I don't think that we have an answer. I mean, we do have an answer. They'll probably make the wrong decision. They'll probably just like try to rush judge back or they'll try to buy a couple more days without having to place him on the IL. Um, and I don't know what that accomplishes because wouldn't you want to rest your best player who had, a historic season last year, which was the only reason you reached 99 wins um, and really see what you have with the rest of this roster. Right. So this, what the Yankees are going through right now is terrible and it sucks. Um, they're missing a ton of players. Um, they're not getting to see what their full potential is with this, you know, semi new look squad uh, based on how the roster was tweaked a little bit over the last uh, year or so. Um, but what it does do is that this is when you start to determine who is a valuable player for you on your bench, who can contribute as a pinch hitter, who could be a defensive replacement, who could be um, an every other day guy, because the Yankees have a ton of those guys where it's just you're playing today, you're off today. You know, there's there's all these uh, other positions that need to be filled as Aaron Boone mixes and matches stuff as people are day to day, as you know as you know, what happens when the Yankees are in full stride in any given season. So placing judge on the IL only helps this team from a bigger picture perspective, you get judge resting and he needs to not, you know, ex exacerbate any of these injuries for the sake of longevity for this season, because the team can't afford to lose him for any stretch, especially as we, you know, get closer to the second half. Um, and two, it allows you to fully test out these other undesirable options for the most part and see who has a chance of actually sticking with consistent playing time. Um, now, uh, you could tell me right now that I'm an idiot because we've mostly seen that happen um, and we're not enthused with any of the options. But yeah, at the uh, on the other side of the argument, it's 
there's nothing else this team can do. There's no trades you can make right now. There's no players you can pick up right now. It's what you're working with, with these minor league deals and, you know, um, uh, these other fringe major leaguers. Um, and the only needle mover that you could potentially do is call up another top prospect, whether it's Elijah Dunham or, I don't know even who else would be suitable at this point. Oh, another another minor leaguer who could ram their knee into the wall on on yeah. play one of their season. Yeah, let's let's do that again. Yeah, as the, the think, yeah, go yeah. No, I think Tell I me. think you're right. Like I I would love to keep trying these players out, but it, it does come back to Cashman uh, being yeah. uh, relying yet again on being like I hope we find some wild cards in April. It's it's classic modern Yankees mentality. No, you know Yankees fan will say they don't make the playoffs. Of course they do every single year. But the Yankees treat April like an experimental ground. Like oh, let's pick up Ruth Neto Door. Like oh, the offense is struggling. Let's call up Jake Bowers. And like I think most of us were excited to see Jake Bowers called up. But these are moves you shouldn't have to make unless you're like twelve injuries deep. Like you should have a bench. You should have a Triple A team of players who are somewhat competent. You don't have to walk into the year being like. Our AAA team's gonna win the, the international league. Like, who cares about AAA championships? But this team lacks depth so tremendously that they're just throwing Willie Calhoun and Franchi Cordero, who they acquired just before opening day, at the wall. And then none of those work. Uh, and Brian Cashman, who got lauded for a, you know, turning these bullpen guys and unlocking these bullpen guys under the radar. And yeah, they do do that from time to time. And I'm pretty confident in the Yankees bullpen's current iteration, even without Jonathan Loisaga, who seems like he's gonna be down for quite a while, and Lou Trevino who probably needs Tommy John surgery. Loisaga, apparently nothing structural found in his elbow, but he's still feeling pain. Not good. See, see in the second half. Trevino is the one who's going back to, to another doctor to get a second opinion. That, that news will probably drop today or tomorrow. But Cashman gets so much credit for assembling 2019, right? Oh, my God. Gio Rochella, Mike Talkman, Mike Ford. That season had juiced baseballs. Labor Torres at 38 home runs. And the Yankees have not turned over a single leaf since 2019. I got a lot of grief this offseason for saying, when we were talking about trading for Max Kepler, that the Yankees haven't unlocked anyone on offense in forever. They haven't. What do you, what, what was the counter argument? A bunch of guys from 2019 and Luke Voigt? I agree. Those guys, that was great work done by the Yankees in a period where the baseball was flying out of stadium. Since then, the Yankees minimized the efforts of Tyro Estrada, who they DFA'd for Rude Odor, who's gone on to the Giants and been their best position player, arguably. 2020 roster, Jordy Mercer, that didn't work. 2021, uh, Odor didn't work. Clint Frazier did not work. Andrew Velasquez, nothing. Greg Allen, no. Chris Gittins, no. Jay Bruce, absolutely not. Ryan Lamar was frisky. Jonathan Davis, no. I mean, look at all those people they tried out in 2021. Not a single one of them worked. In 2019, I'm sure they would have hit on two or three of those. But I do think it's fair to say that this reputation Brian Cashman earned and the Yankees coaching staff earned for unlocking middling hitters comes from 2019, and they have not done much of it since then. And I don't even know why that's controversial to say. It's just not. It's true. They haven't. This damn political climate, I tell you. Can't talk about anything. No, um, it's, it's cancel culture. As soon as I say Jonathan Davis sucks. Everybody's coming after me. They're canceling me. Big, strong men with tears in their eyes oh, saying, yeah. have you seen Jonathan Davis's uh, stack pass page? <laughs> no, sir. My life is forever changed. Jordy Mercer. I mean, you you just you pick up these guys on a flyer. You hope they walk a game off for you like Ryan Lamar did. You hope they have eight games of weird production. And in that case, Frangie Cordero is a win, I guess. 
But the Yankees' plan since 2019 has been cycle through guys we know aren't very good and hope you get the best of them for a couple of days. And other teams, look at even the St. Louis Cardinals who are terrible. Look at how many outfielders they have ready on a given day. Like, they've got other issues. But some of these teams print offensive depth. The Yankees went into this season saying our offense is as thin as it was last fall. We re-signed our most injured, you know, a, a captain who's been an injury risk in the past. Not so much since 2019. But still, he's not like Aaron Judge is a sure thing. And they say after Carlos Rodon, they're not done. But they couldn't have been more done. They, they didn't acquire any major leaguers after. Yeah. And you talk about a team like the Cardinals too. Like, yes, horrible start for them. It's a really bad look. Will they rebound? Yeah. You don't want to be 10 and 19, but also you look at their stats and um, the offense is kind of there. It's the pitching that's letting them down. And that's something that takes time to come around to, especially when, um, you know, you, they have a bit of an aging staff. Um, They're introducing some other, you know, younger guys too. So those things are difficult for the Yankees. It's, Largely the same-ish roster and the same results. The 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 lack of the lack of good at bats, the lack of contact, um, the the high strikeout rates, the terribly low average. Um, and guess what? Having a low average is not a problem, but it is a problem when you're not hitting enough home runs and you're not getting enough hits with runners in scoring position. Yeah. Um. Or you're not bringing the. You know. You're not get. You're not starting rallies like. Uh, we have been loving Anthony Rizzo's production this year, like from a look at his baseball reference type situation page. Um, and you look at the, you do the splits and most of his hits and most of his production have come in low leverage situations. And is that his fault? No, but you know, when you break down, when you even look at the, the productive Yankees hitters, um, they're not theoretically some of them are not producing in situations where you actually need them to produce. Um, so that's where, you know, Rizzo, who I guess is the Yankees best hitter at the moment who can actually play has not necessarily been getting a ton of clutch hits for this team um, in the first month of the season um, or his, you know, production has not been coming when the Yankees have actually quote needed it. Um, you know, hitting a solo home run down six, nothing in the ninth. Great. Um, you know, ripping a double when you're down six to one in the eighth. Okay. Um, I like the hits. I like the production, but that's another element of this that needs to come around. The Yankees need to, you know, put forth those big boy at bats. They need more of these other guys that are getting more frequent playing time to get acclimated to those types of situations. And once again, they're just not. Um, and that's even a problem with the starters from an everyday standpoint. That's a lot of the stuff that we've had issue with over the last two, three years is, um, the failures with runners in scoring position and the failures to string together a bunch of hits or even just get a number of base runners on in a row. It feels like it's been an eternity since we've seen an inning where the Yankees kind of just poured it on. Um, How about that first and second no outs yesterday too, down 4-1 against Martin Perez with Volpe and Peraza coming up? Yep. Has anyone ever escaped a jam quicker? Three pitches, pop out, a double play. Like, I mean, at that point, do you have faith they're going to win the game? Do you have faith they're going to tie it up? No, but you'd like no. to see some fight, some effort from the top of the lineup. And yeah. they just they go away in a flash. It's almost self-parody. If you're watching the Knicks game, you're scrolling Twitter, and I think it was Eric Boland back-to-back detailed the, the, the jam and was like, third second, no outs. So the Yankees have a rally in them. And the next tweet, one second later on my feed, was about that. No, I, they didn't. And, they, and thanks to the pitch clock, they ended the rally before you even had a chance to finish your tweet. 
Yeah, it was brutal stuff yesterday. And that's the other thing, like the law, when the losses become embarrassing, like that's when it's kind of a problem. Um, I didn't watch. I mean, I watched yesterday for a little bit. I watched all of Garrett Cole, uh, the Garrett Cole game, which I guess was good. But that was a very loose. They they could have lost that. They very easily could have lost that game. Three solo home runs. They didn't do anything for the remainder of the game. Nope. I mean, congrats, congrats to them on their solo home runs. Thanks to Jose Trevino for the insurance. But uh, yeah, I mean, Cole was within one pitch of blowing that three nothing lead. Yep. Not entirely his fault. And, no. I mean, it was because he you know made a defensive miscue. But uh, Garrett Cole's not going to be perfect every game. Uh, I don't think you could have possibly held that against Garrett Cole. It just would have no. been frustrating with everything compounding on itself. But yeah, could have lost that game and and easily lost the other three. Yeah, and then you have the Clark Schmidt start, which you know is I don't know, man. Like Jacob Degrom gets hurt in that game. Yeah, right? Jacob I mean, Degrom you, gets you hurt. You have to, you have to, have to, have to. Nobody wants to. You don't want to pray and pounce on injuries. But Jimmy Butler goes down five minutes in the next game and stands in the corner as a decoy, and they don't attack him on offense. You got to win that game. Clark Schmidt, Jacob Degrom. Degrom goes out in the fourth inning. You got to have that game be close enough. You can go and win that game, and yep. they don't even—they don't even really threaten. They—they they put singular runs up on the board, starting down five nothing, and then that game goes in the books is one that I don't think anybody will remember. No, um, you'll remember it because once again, Clark Schmidt. I mean, how many o two or one two counts did he have, and then groove something right over the middle for somebody to obliterate? I, I would love. I wish I would have counted when I was watching it because it happened at least four times. Um, then you have Nathan Eovaldi kicking our teeth in with a complete game shutout. Classic. That was easy. Why I mean, didn't we consider – you couldn't consider signing him this offseason? That that didn't interest you? What, what's the deal there? That, that's yeah. a pretty cheap contract. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't have worked out, though. So you No, know. but you wouldn't have to face him. Yeah. What have, yeah you pay to not face him. I um, would pay him his current contract to not face him ever again. Two years, $34 million. I pay him more than that to not face yeah, him. Yeah, that, that's a bargain. Um, and then you have Nestor yesterday, and that was a huge letdown because you know what? I will call out Nestor Cortez here. Um, his body language in his last start against the Twins kind of pissed me off. Um, look, I know Aaron Hicks sucks. Um, yeah, but like, don't like do, do this on the mound when somebody Volpe made that made that error, and he was like, he was he was the body language was just was just super poor from you know at this point a veteran pitcher who's probably like the next tier of vocal leaders on the team, probably um, if, if in terms of uh, continuity and performance based, you know, over the last two years, he's been great. He's obviously established, established himself in New York and he's an older player. So like, don't be doing that. Like Garrett Cole probably has earned the right to do that earn it, you know, with a $324 million contract and watching Aaron Hicks, you know, slide and miss an easy catch for you know someone who theoretically should be an outfielder but you know Aaron Hicks chasing that ball down at the track it was not good but like it also wasn't the worst thing on the planet and you were also giving up he was giving up hard contact Nestor that entire game entire game he was getting the twins were hitting him to all fields rocketing off the bat and the same thing happened yesterday same thing happened yesterday getting absolutely pummeled and shelled control is is off his four walks um, in that outing, and then he gives up what two or three homers, and there are two homers in that in that uh, uh, bo- uh, bottom of the fourth. Um, so yeah, I'll throw some shade there, especially when you're you know relied on to be one of the more productive Yankees pitchers, and that's the outing you're going to put up put forth in a series finale, coming off of an outing where you were kind of disrespectful to the to to your teammates. 
um, whether you were actually intending to be or not. The cameras are there. You know you're on TV. They're catching. They're going to make sure to catch those moments and play them again. So let's not let's not do that in in April. That'd be cool. Yeah. And Sesame's family barbecue tweeted uh, the Yankees rotation group. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. By ERA Plus right now, where you are relative to the rest of the league. Garrett Cole, 395. Remember, 100 is average. 395. Uh, Garrett Cole on another level right now. Behind him, 89-79-64-79. That's pathetic. That's pathetic. Even for the fill-ins, that's pathetic. You, you can you can absorb two below the 100 average, I would say. Nestor's got to be above. He's not. One of the three fill-ins has to find some average ground. They haven't. Uh, they could not ask for Luis Severino and company back soon enough, um, which I guess is going to happen. Uh, and we can transition there now just because, I mean, I don't really want to rehash the Jake Bowers thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, did, did anybody think Jake Bowers was going to be a spark? I was hoping it was more exciting than not seeing Jake Bowers. And that said him ramming his knee in the wall is just another, re- it's like a why trial. We always talk about this. Why go get Carlos run on? He's just not going to pitch. Why uh, call up somebody from the Myers is going to slam into a wall. First thing, maybe Aaron Hicks is someone to be admired because he never gives max effort. So he never gets injured at any point. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Like the, the team's constructed poorly when the team takes chances, the chances don't work. So it's very, uh, you know, demotivational. It's like, what, why, why bother? Why watch? Why try something new? Um, well, finally, we did get some positive pitcher updates this week. Luis Severino, according to Aaron Boone, today is two to three weeks away from rejoining the rotation. He's about to go on a rehab assignment. We've seen him go on rehab assignments before and come up with a shoulder that just doesn't feel right. He pulled mm-hmm. himself from rehab assignment a couple of years ago. He also injured himself uh, horrifically on the mound in Brooklyn, just like something we thought was torn entire body. And he turned out to only need a couple of weeks off. He did come back at the end of 2021. Carlos wrote on through a bullpen session. Finally, he's still, you know, a little bit behind Severino, not getting into that rehab start territory. Feeling like you'll see him in June. Best case scenario, uh, of course. And again, uh, what about the, the minor elbow strain that he said he would have pitched through last year? Somehow is a two plus month injury, two and a half months. But we don't even hear about him. Every couple of days, he does something. And that's wonderful. And Tommy Canley got through a bullpen unscathed after you and I went back and forth saying over under 12 innings, it's going to hit that under because we just don't see he's, he's giving all the sad quotes. Like I'm tired of rehabbing. I'm in pain. And you're like, okay, if you're still in pain, you're not coming back. He seems to be on the verge and they need him because they're not getting Trevino back. They are not getting Loisaga back. Uh, which of these three men are you most confident at this point? I know that is a, uh, you know, I'm throwing you a landmine because it's three players who are always injured and they're all theoretically making progress. But it's very hard to put your, you know, chips in one of them and be like, I trust what I'm hearing about this particular guy. But if you were to be confident in one of them, who's getting your vote? Yeah, let's get DraftKings on the horn. What are the odds here? Um, I like yeah. how we're we're also framing this as positive updates when it's like they're standard updates based yeah. on how these guys should have been progressing since March 
Oh, it's not like, positive. Yeah. It's not like good yeah. news during Luis Severino's rehab. He came up with it. It's and, and he taught it to the whole staff. Yeah. Yes. Sickeningly, it is good news based on what we've been fed. But in theory, this is just, oh, so the injury diagnosis that you told us six weeks ago is progressing as planned. And that's good news for the Yankees because you didn't lie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we didn't get completely fucked, or you didn't completely mislead us into thinking something completely different. Um, with that said, though, I can't complain with how this is progressing. Um, once again, the name of the game here is this team getting healthy um, and gelling and um, getting hot at the right time because all it's going to take is a couple of those, you know, two week runs that they had last year. Um, to dig them out of the depths and get them right back. You know what I saw on ESPN last week that I forgot to mention too? The Rays had like start. They were what were they like nineteen and three or something at that point yeah. last week? And ESPN was like, "Will the, the the question on the bottom was will the Rays keep winning?" And I'm just like, "What?" And then the other one was, "Will the will the Yankees catch the Rays?" And it's like, also what? Any like the Orioles could catch the Rays. Who is what a good April? Does does anybody watch sports anymore? Do we know what happens? We know that it's Lakers disease, though. Yeah. Like it's like when the Lakers are under 500 at the start of the year, it's like, can the Lakers still be the number one seed? If they keep playing like shit, no. Like, why are you even talking about you're talking about the Yankees? Because that I don't think most of America understands how thin this roster was. Yeah. And so you're gonna get Yankees talk on, on mainstream media shows. Always. No one's no one is gonna talk about what's actually going wrong. They're just like, why is this star-studded team we've heard of playing so poorly? Yeah. And can they be a hundred win team by the end of the year without any knowledge of process or discussion? Mm-hmm. So yeah, of course. Can the Yankees catch the Rays? Maybe other teams are in their way as well. Sure. Those teams have a chance to catch the Rays. Just will the Rays lose again? It's hilarious. It's like, yeah, there's 162 games. Like they're probably going to lose. Like they blew a five run lead in the ninth inning yesterday to the horrific White Sox. Like not only did they lose, they lost yeah. in epic fashion. They they're going to lose. lose. They're going to lose at least 65 games. Like, yeah, they're yeah. going to lose. They're going to lose a lot of games. Like we all do. In terms of who I'm confident with in these updates, and this pains me to say this, but it's Luis Severino. Um, I think because uh, Rodon at this point has had multiple ailments, and I am not feeling, you know, if you're dealing with a forearm issue, which I understand is not um, structural, which is good. Um, but, you know, we, I, I've had experiences with a bad back. If his back is bothering him, that's going to potentially be something that uh, hampers him. Um, if the issue doesn't clear up uh, sooner rather than later. And again, we're not getting many details on what's going on with him. So I don't know if I exactly trust exactly what's happening. Um, Tommy Canely, again, been rehabbing since uh, August of 2020. Yeah. Am I confident in him getting back, you know, coming back and then providing what, is supposed to be a, a, a reliever's full-time workload uh, from whenever he's ready until the end of the season. I, I'm not. Um, I don't I, – I never – We the day they signed him, we were like, cool, this is great, but also is this not going to be great? Because it probably might not be great. Um, and we already are seeing the bad early returns on that. And Severino, look, lack strain, dealt with the same thing last year. Um, was largely durable last year when he was not hampered by, I guess, I think uh, some of Severino's problems also with these injuries has been a little bit mental. 
Um, you know, you talked about the severity of that groin issue. He, you know, acted like he couldn't walk. And then they're like, he's actually, he'll be down for 10 days. He'll be back. He'll be yeah. back. Uh, he'll be back in less than two weeks. And it's like, well, there's what? no way, but oh, yeah. actually yeah. shoulder feels weird. I can't pitch. Okay. Um, great. Uh, okay. Uh, awesome. Like, yeah, uh, you're, you're throwing the ball really hard. You're testing your physical limits as best you can as a professional athlete. Like, yeah, things are going to. You're, you're going to probably feel discomfort as you're rehabbing. Um, I, at that point, it felt like a lot of his – there was a mental aspect of it because of the long journey back from Tommy John um, and everything that had happened in between. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Yankees, I think, played his situation last year smartly by putting him on the 60-day IL. I think um, there, there was obviously disagreements about that with everybody between him and the organization, between some fans, but – um, at this point, you're paying the guy what uh, almost thirty million dollars, you know, cumulative, cumulatively over 2022 and 2023. You want to make sure he's available for 20 plus starts. Like that's the name of the game right now. Um, and so far, we've had yet to have any setback with him. Knock on wood. Uh, but Rodon and Canely have had multiple setbacks, and I don't know if I can trust that, especially because they're different injuries than what they were dealing with initially. I think that's probably the right answer, but if you want to wager on it, we recommend you try DraftKings as a new customer in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Use our deal. Make your wager. Uh, bet $5 on any sport, get $150 in bonus bets. If your bet wins with the code YanksGoYard, that's YanksGoYard, no spaces, like the podcast. Podcast has spaces. This code doesn't. Minimum $5 deposit wager required. New customers only 21 plus and present in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Gambling problem? Call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York. In New Jersey, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. See full terms at DraftKings or in the description below if you're watching along with us. And we thank you if you are certainly a bummer week to discuss the New York Yankees. Do you feel like when you're watching this team, by the way, do you feel like you're watching them play for a wild card? It's it's tough to discern because if we get away from the hot takey stuff for a little bit, like the, the Rays are going to lose, right? We know the Rays are going to lose. It's it's they hard for me to even uh, – the Mets are coming back, by the way. I think we we buried them too soon at 6-4. Yeah. It's, uh, it's hard to believe when you're watching a Rays team go 23-5. and five. It's hard to believe that they could ever give up this eight and a half game advantage to the Yankees at any point in time. But that said, how does any Yankee fan not think back to mid-June last year when you're wrapping up that series at Fenway and you are 15 and a half games up on the rest of the division and like 17 and a half up on the Red Sox, I believe. And the Red Sox don't really ever get closer than eight or nine because they weren't very good. But the Rays and Jays take it to four and five at some point, yeah. entering September. Like, we're talking about July and August, and we're talking about mostly August because it was still like 12 entering August. The Yankees had a huge lead last year. If I had told you in early May that, oh, by the way, they're going to expand this all the way to 15 and a half, and it'll be gone so quickly that they'll have to defend the entire month of September, I don't think you would believe me. Uh, I don't think this Yankee team is good enough to win this division because the division is insane. The Yankees yeah. have a plus two run differential. That's behind the Red Sox at 12 and Jays at 14. Like, I don't think the Yankees are very good. Uh, a lot of people who some people in the comments this weekend were saying like, I'd rather be an 86 win team and win the world series than a 99 win team and fail. Some of y'all are going to get a chance to see if you can get your wish because the Yankees <laughs> might be an 86 win team. 
So maybe also, they'll win the fucking World Series for you. What even is that wish? Like that? Those aren't the two options. No. I, I, I don't even know. That's the conversation. That's the conversation yeah. you have when you're just trying to say that the Yankees <laughs> haven't been good in a decade. Like, yes. oh, the 2019 team was good because they won 100 games. Like, miss me with that. No, they were obviously good, and then they lost in the playoffs. The the 2019 Yankees were a lot like the Boston Bruins. Obviously, a very good team get to the playoffs, fail. Uh, it's a failure. That's a huge failure. That's an F mm-hmm. on your season. But that doesn't mean they weren't a good regular season team. Are there 86 win teams that win the World Series? Yeah. But when you're saying, oh, I'd rather be an 86 win team and win the World Series, you're also saying what Hal Steinbrenner thinks. Because that's what he's saying right now. <laughs> he's <laughs> saying, why am I paying for excess regular season wins when I could technically be an 87 win team, sneak in through the back door, win the wild card, and win the whole damn thing? Anybody could do that, but it's harder to do that. It's harder to win the World Series with less talent. So you want to yeah. get more talent. Less talent, harder road to get to the World Series, tougher matchups. Like, okay, yeah. I mean, I'd rather that all happen perfectly too. So, yeah, fantasy yeah. world. Um, yeah. In terms of uh, the division, I'm not. I'm not yet pessimistic on the Yankees uh, um, not being able to to win the division. Why? Because um, they're still afloat. Like we talked about last year, the Red Sox got got off to that terrible start. Um, and, uh, I think it was David Cohn on one of the broadcasts. He said, you don't win the division in the first month of the season, but you could certainly lose it by putting yeah. yourself in a hole. So the Yankees have avoided putting themselves in a hole, which I think deserves a very light golf clap in private with nobody around because they have weathered this injury. So look, it's, we can, we got to keep the conversation focused. This is what the Yankees are dealing with right now. They're dealing with poor roster construction. They're dealing with injuries that probably could have been avoidable based on the personnel decisions that were made by the front office. Um, And they're dealing with lackluster play. All of these things that we saw coming in different pockets, um, it's kind of the perfect storm of all of it hitting, um, and the team still won game above 500. So the Yankees, with the worst possible situation of maybe any team at this moment, is that too crazy of a statement to make um, just based on the expectations, the money involved here, the talent loss um, to be 15 and 14, you're in an okay spot. Um, and uh, you look at a team like the Rays who were, yes, they are good. Um, they have the requisite pitching. Um, they have once again, a pesky lineup. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know if this is, you know, the 2021, what are the, 2021 Rays went 100 games. Um, uh, I think they got to 102. 102. They were 102 and 60. And then, yeah. Um, either way, I don't think this is a triple digit raise. Yeah. I don't think this is a triple digit um, win raise team uh, just because you know there's going to be this. This play is just simply not going to sustain as this poor play from the Yankees is not going to sustain. I think the problem with the poor play that we're seeing with the Yankees is that we're worried that the depth is going to be an issue when we need depth to be a key cog in what we're doing. And the lack of offensive firepower is going to rear its head at the worst possible times, which has happened now like for three years straight. So um, in terms of longevity over the entirety of the regular season, this team is still built to do it. If they get the guys back, we have no, so far there's no devastating injury news outside of Frankie Montas. And I guess Lou Trevino, if, 
if we're considering that. But I think at this point, yeah. every team has lost at least one reliever to an injury for the season. Most teams have lost at least a reliever, and most teams are dealing with starting pitching issues because of you know because of how um, uh, uncertain those those injury situations are. Um, so yeah, I am not, I am, I am usually a pessimist, but you're not going to catch me in April saying this team's losing the division. Um, it's just not going to happen. And you look at a team like the Rays or the Orioles or the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays have time and time again, choked away opportunities. So I'm not scared of them in any capacity, especially as we head down the stretch. Orioles are a very young team, did not upgrade the manner in which they should have this off season with maybe a Trey Turner or a Carlos Correa. No pitching at all on that team. I'm happy. I'm happy letting that team weather the storm and try and figure it out. And you look at the Rays. They lost Jeffrey Springs. It's a huge loss. I know they're getting Tyler Glass now back, but um, do you think this offense is going to keep clobbering the ball the way that it has? I, I really don't think so. Do you think the and are we sure? Are we sure they're getting Tyler Glass now back? Like he's there, Luis Severino. Yeah. Like are we positive yeah. they're getting him back? It's yeah. That's another thing to consider for sure too. Um, I wouldn't bake that in as a certainty either. And, um, you know, the lineup, like the lineup's good, but we know how, we know how these droughts go with teams. This, the, the baseball is weird. Baseball is unpredictable. And the 162 game season is a long one to, to be able to replicate that offense month over month. We talk about it every year with the most talented rosters. We just saw the Dodgers go through like a hellacious stretch of play. And I know they lost some people to the paternity list or whatever, but um, you know, they were hoping to get an infusion of young talent and have their depth step up. And none of those things really happened to the extent that, you know, that they perhaps thought it would. Um, so it takes time for the, it takes time for these certain things to materialize. And also it's going to take some time for everything to regress to the mean. Yankees play a little bit better. Eventually the Rays probably going to play a little bit worse and then it's going to even out. Um, you're not, what are the Rays up eight games right now? Yes. Yeah. That's nothing. I mean, yeah, that's, that's not a lot. It's not a lot for a team that is built well, but not exactly super fearsome. Fans are only going to clip this part where we're saying the Rays don't have enough of a division lead yet. They're going to ignore the first 40 minutes where we were like, Brian Cashman built a terrible roster. Uh, we obviously hate our team too. That, that's what we, that's what happened when we shit on the Blue Jays on the last pod. All the comments they were smell. like, if the Blue Jays are a miserable failure over the last couple of years, then so are you. And it's like, yeah, we know that. We always say that. But yeah. you are as well. Uh, shout out to Dalton Varsho. Love the walk off over the weekend. Run, you're you know. hitting one. You're hitting 194 with a 292 OBP and a 588 OPS. Might do this every week. Uh, for yeah, a let's while. Uh, hang. Yeah, yeah, we can do the Dalton Varsho update. But I just was curious about the Rays. Do you think this is going to sustain Randy Rosarena nine batting 327 965 OPS? Yandy Diaz 319 average 1.005 OPS. Brandon Lau. Seven home runs, 856 OPS. That'll probably, that's probably, yeah, uh, that might right. sustain. Luke Rayleigh, seven home runs, 913 OPS, not sustaining. Uh, Christian Bethencourt batting 250 with an 870 OPS. Wander Franco, that'll probably sustain 30909. Um, Josh Lowe, 342 average, 1.030 OPS. Okay. Harold Ramirez, 329 average, 1.011 OPS. Okay. Uh, Taylor Walls, 302 average, 968 OPS. Um, and that's all in at least uh, uh, tw uh, 17 or more games. Most of them are 21 or more games. Um, that is just simply 
it's not not going to sustain. So that's that's all you need to know. Um, I'm not saying these guys are bad. I'm just saying they're playing out of their minds right now. And um, they're the you know the lull of the baseball season when it comes in the middle of the summer when you're swinging over every curveball and you're late on every fastball. We'll just wait to clip those moments for the Rays, and I don't think it's too far off. Nope. Uh, one last thing before we go, looking at left field options, obviously we're, we're talking, uh, we're, we're talking deep into the future and who knows if this Yankees team is even going to be good enough this summer to address things. Although last time they were this bad was two years ago and they added Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo mm-hmm. at the deadline and actually tried pretty hard. Didn't work, but you know, they, they did go for it. Um, pulled together a couple options, some discussed by Chris Kirshner in the athletic um, who keeps quote tweeting me, which is very cool. I wonder if he's, yes. uh, if he's reading. Yeah. It'd be very right. nice if he's reading. Um, but, uh, Chris came up with some great ideas, uh, for left field options, although great ideas, still kind of bleak ideas because no Brian Reynolds and mm. no Ian Happ. Uh, Jock Peterson is the obvious. He said Jorge Soler was on the table. I think that's a mistake definition of a roller coaster ride. You never know what you're getting. He mentioned Cody Bellinger too. I think the Cubs are probably going to be too good for that. But of course you can't get through a Yankees left field options article without mentioning Cody Bellinger, whose father was on the 1998 Yankees and who was available this offseason if they want to take a chance. But we would have been angry if they'd taken a chance on a guy who hit like 180 last year and had a busted shoulder and was like three years running of being terrible. So I don't regret not doing that. And I did want to mention Hunter Renfro who's always on a new team every single year and is killing it for the angels right now in right field, typical defense, typical hose, typical power, not a lefty, but is available every single time the market opens up seemingly over the past couple of years. Um, I'm interested in Renfro. I'm not terribly interested in the rest of the dudes. We talked about jock on the last episode. Also, Steven Brault, classic Yankees trade target. Um, on the mound is in the independent Atlantic league. that's just flashed by and is converting to the outfield. So maybe they finally get Steven Brault and he plays the outfield. Okay. I'm, I'm half kidding. A Garrett Cole friend. That's another Garrett Cole friend, right? That'll, that'll work you, out. You will know that officially the team has turned over control of the roster to Garrett Cole. If they sign Steven Brault to play left field, that is, that's official. At that point. <laughs> oh. What am I thinking about these left field acquisitions or potential acquisitions? Um, I don't know. Um, You know, I like Jock, but, you know, my feeling around Jock is that um, the Yankees will just be two years too late on that trade acquisition when they should have done it like four fucking times already. Um, We can go back to 2020 when we started the podcast and we're probably talking about that in August. Um, that August when we when we started going uh, hardcore on the the trade deadline acquisitions. Yeah, I really so, wanted Archie Bradley that year. Uh, yeah. We got nothing. I'll never forget doing the live trade deadline show and them not making a single trade. What a slap <laughs> in the face. <laughs> uh, Solaire, no, he's a redundant player in terms of what the Yankees have. Uh, whatever defense, right-handed power bat, um, doesn't hit for average. Uh, Bellinger would be great. I don't think that that's possible. Um, Renfro, another right-handed hitter. Uh, I guess I do trust his D he's got a good arm. He covers some good ground in the outfield, but, um, I don't know if that's inspiring to me. Um, one name I was kind of just thinking of randomly was Lamont Wade. I don't know how good the giants are going to be. Um, and, uh, he's, hits left-handed um he's got a little bit of pop um he's super athletic i know that that might not be in their best interest to do that because i think he's under club control for a decent while um 
uh, or we can dip into the Mike Yastrzemski well. We'll go to the – we'll just – we'll hang out with the Giants like we were last year who we were trying to get Mike Yastrzemski in pinstripes uh, for a while. Um, but, yeah, if we got to go kind of outside the box, I want somebody who – is a little bit more versatile on defense is definitely a left-handed hitter and kind of has that all around offensive profile where you can hit for power. You can be pesky on the bases. You can get, you know, you can bat in theoretically the two eighties for the season. If you're having a really good year, um, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, at this point, we're not going to truly be able to identify anybody because of, how much longer we have until the deadline. But I don't think that that would be the worst place to start, especially because the Giants had signed um, Conforto and Mitch Haniger. Um, and those are guys they're going to have to play because they're paying them a lot of money. So yeah. uh, that's worth considering. Or we could just trade for Andrew Benintendi and get his five-year $75 million contract. If we want. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, thank uh, you. No, I can't believe the Chicago White Sox have that on their books. Um, and I can't believe we're still looking for a left fielder, but guess what? We are, uh, Elijah Dunham, by the way, probably the best of these options. Yeah, probably. Um, people yep. aren't ready, but, uh, Elijah Dunham was hitting, a he had a 698 OPS going into Wednesday when Kershaw put his left field column together. And so he was like, by the way, just cautioning you, everybody's not doing so great. He's elevated it up 50 points over the last couple of days to 749. 247 with a 373 OBP uh, robbed a, hit the game, the go ahead double in Saturday's game in extra innings, and then turned a diving catch double play to send the game to the 11th after it was retied. Uh, he hit a blooper off James Paxton and sprinted in a second yesterday. Great work by Elijah Dunham. Sadly, sadly or not sadly, he might be your best internal option. Let's get Jake Bowers healthy. Let's get the roster up and churning. Let's see some new blood. Let's get Floreal up here. Let's do anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's maybe take it easy on Aaron Judge just for a little while. Uh, that is it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the podcast platforms, as well as Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern. We'll be back later in the week after the Guardian series on an off day. Bless you. God, how has it been this long without an off day? Um, I don't know, but Thursday they don't play baseball They might get rained out tomorrow. We might be looking at a doubleheader. Maybe the off day moves around. Who knows? Either way, the Yankees have to get on track, and they have to face the Guardians' top-tier pitching staff. Very annoying offense and Shane Bieber in the series finale. We, until next time, I'm Adam Weiner alongside Thomas Carinante. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. Uh, we're both at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. You can also head on over to YanksGoYard.com. Plenty of content there for you. Um, and it's getting bleak. It's getting real bleak. And that's when you guys come in the clutch and you read and you comment and you yell at us. You call us names. It's what we want. If the names are not too bad or harsh, uh, let's let's keep the insults uh, PG for the viewers at home. Um, and until next time. We'll be talking to you on Thursday, series against the guards at the stadium, three games. Let's uh, maybe take care of business against an underachieving team. But at this point, we're massively underachieving. So um, it's day by day at this point. We're just trying to preserve our health for the longevity of the season here. Don't get too down in the dumps early on. Um, When this lineup comes back, mostly fully healthy and then starts doing this. I think then we can start flipping tables and stuff like that. But uh, we'll talk to you Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern live right here. Enjoy the rest of your week, folks. Have fun. 
think that's true. Have fun, everybody. We'll see you on Thursday. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.